Welcome to Chapter by Chapter. I'm your host, Brian Thomas Kropp, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good, and so I write them, and I enjoy sharing them with you. If you are new to the podcast, then how the show runs is, in just a moment, you will hear a chapter from a book that I have written, and then on the other side of that chapter, hear sort of what went into the writing of that particular chapter. I tend to uh, write some things from, even though everything is fiction, uh, there are still parts of uh, life and perspective that come in uh, to the story. And uh, those are over there in the commentary, as well as process of how does someone write a story. Uh, So uh, that's all there. There is a big announcement in that uh, section of the show. So uh, stick around for that. And if you are new to the show, may I highly encourage you to swing to the show notes, find the show number for the chapter one of this story, Shell Game, and then start there. Uh, We are in chapter 45 of a 45 chapter book. We are done with this story. All of the things are going to mostly get wrapped up. It is part two of a three-part story, so they don't quite all get wrapped up. That would be kind of silly, um, but we're mostly done with the with the larger story. And so to tell you now what has been going on would tell you the whole story. And what's the point of that? So swing back over to chapter one and check that out. Um, And we will get into the last chapter, chapter 45 of Shell Game, right after we hear from this week's sponsors. This episode is also sponsored by Showdown in the Yukon, the first book in the Pearl Saga. It is a story of Monterey Jack Danvers, who is a reformed pickpocket who is hired by his old partner in crime to help rescue a uh, stolen gold claim up in the Yukon Territory for a widow. He also finds the widow's daughter quite attractive, and that helps him go on this adventure that takes him on uh, stormy seas, through caves, through forest fires, and being hunted down um, in forests, and all kinds of uh, great adventure. And the big question is, will they be able to uh, rescue this gold mine, uh, this gold claim back from the evil man who uh, took it from this poor widow woman? And then what kind of man does Monterey Jack Danvers turn into by the end of uh, the story? It is also the prelude to uh, Shell Game Part 2 of the Pearl Saga. And you can find Showdown in the Yukon at Amazon.com. You can also find the links uh, to that over at BrianThomasCrop.com. Chapter 45. Sunlight streamed through a window and onto Evan's face. It was nearly ten o'clock in the morning and Evan's eyes had stayed closed long enough. His brain spent the sleeping time trying to make sense of the past several days and played snippets of disjointed memories till his mind hurt and brought Evan back to consciousness. He blinked as the sun's light was more than he was ready for. First, what greeted him was a view of 12th Avenue. The tree-lined sidewalks and lush front lawns. It took him a moment to realize that this was the first sunlight he'd seen in a week. The fog had finally lifted, and he allowed a smile to spread across his face. Then he became aware of a tightness in his neck and decided to straighten up. 
He turned his neck to loosen it and saw Catherine asleep in a hospital bed. Then he remembered where he was and why he was there. No point in waking her. Evan caressed her face and moved some of the hair behind her ear. Just let her sleep. The last case was over, at least as far as he was concerned, and he wanted to be close by the moment Catherine woke up. He rubbed his stubble and faced the window again. It was another half hour before Catherine woke up. Evan, she said with a dry mouth. Where am I? Hospital, he said softly. You had quite the night. Catherine focused her green eyes on Evan's face. Evan grabbed her hand and squeezed tight. I think I'm done, Catherine, he said. With us? Evan shook his head and smiled. With the job. That was it. Case closed and I'm out. Are you sure that's what you want? I don't think I want to be so suspicious of people. I don't know. Maybe I've been down that road too far and I won't ever get back, but I don't like thinking the worst of people. Life's too short. I want to get back to time with you like we used to be. Catherine touched his face with her palm. I don't want to be jealous all the time. She tried to adjust herself in her bed and winced in pain. Was I shot? I have a faint memory of being shot. Wait, did I wrestle a guy with an eye patch or did I just have a bad dream? It's complicated, Evan said, and then filled in Catherine on everything that happened after she entered his apartment the previous night. Catherine was released from the hospital the following morning. She had a strange blue scar on her shoulder that matched the one on Evan's hand. I guess we're meant to be together, Catherine had joked when Evan showed her his mark. On their way home, Evan swung by the agency office. Sophie screamed and jumped out of her chair when Evan walked through the door. I'm so glad you're all right, she said, tears immediately rushing to the edges of her eyelids. When you didn't come in at all yesterday, I... Is it true? What the newspaper said? Is it true? Evan smiled and chuckled sweetly at his secretary. I haven't read the papers, but I can tell you what I saw. Look, I know you had a soft spot for Claire. Sorry she wasn't what you hoped. She killed Gabe. Like a cold-hearted assassin. Probably a good thing she ditched her brother's place. Anyway, thanks for putting up with all the craziness of the past few days. So much for women's intuition, huh? I'm just glad you didn't get yourself killed. That was a lot of fire you were playing with. She sat back down behind her desk and Evan sat on its corner. When did you know it was her? Evan blew out his cheeks and thought for a moment. I'm not sure exactly. I had my suspicions as soon as she came back here after Gabe was shot, but I couldn't quite put it all together. The how and the why, I mean. So why did you string her along? Make her think you were on her side? I don't know, he said, standing up. Maybe part of me hoped it wasn't true. Another part of me wanted to con Claire at her own game. But I think mostly it's because she killed a man. A man who never did anything to her but try to protect her. Killed him like his life didn't mean anything to anyone. I can only guess Gabe wasn't her first victim. Someone like that, used to skating through life doing evil things, she could use some hardships occasionally. Sophie nodded. I'm just glad it's off the books and we can get back to normal around here. Normal. Like not paying the bills and running from the landlord? Evan laughed. Okay, maybe not that normal. Evan reached in his breast pocket and slapped an envelope down on Sophie's desk. What's this? She asked. Open it. Sophie counted the bills. And what should we do with this windfall? Evan slid his hands inside his pants pocket and looked to the ceiling. Well, 
I guess after we get clear of all the people we owe money to, and after you wrap up things with Henriksen, that should leave just enough to sell the business and set you up with my lawyer. Sophie looked at her boss in the eye. What? Evan looked down. Sophie, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this if it's going to bring so much misery to the people closest to me. Catherine and I have a real chance to make our marriage work, but I gotta shut the doors on this place. If it was just me, I could walk away and not look back. Don't get me wrong, I have no idea what to do to make money, but there's time for that. What I couldn't do was leave you without a leg to stand on. My lawyer's a good guy in desperate need of some expert administrative help, and you're perfect for it. And trust me, the pay is a lot better. Sophie searched Evan's eyes for a long time, then smiled and said, I'm glad for you and Catherine. I can't say I'm jumping up and down yet, but I will. Thanks. We're going to be strangers then? Sophie asked. Probably for a little bit. Don't worry, Sophie. Athens ain't that big a town. We're sure to bump into you here and there. Evan pointed to the street. Catherine's out in the car. She took a shot for me in the scuffle. I told her I needed to talk to you and grab some papers, so... Evan opened his arms and began to walk toward his office. Here's to us. Evan closed the door behind him and enjoyed the momentary stillness of his office. He went to his dingy window and looked out at the busy people scurrying through their lives on the streets of Athens. Reaching into his pocket, a wave of sadness surged through Evan's chest, remembering that the pearl was missing. It was a painful reminder of how circumstances didn't always work out the way he wanted. He had fought for the justice of one and succeeded, but he had failed with the other. He took in a long breath and let it out slowly before turning to his desk. Evan had no idea what he needed to do to start packing up the place. Catherine would know. She was good at that kind of thing. He would bring her in a day or two when she was feeling up to it. Evan grabbed a handkerchief from his coat and started to remove the grime from his window. A sudden burning sensation covered his right hand. Evan let out a loud grunt of pain as he looked at his palm. The wound Lillian had left him glowed brighter and brighter. Sophie entered the office to see if her boss was all right. Evan stood grimacing as the light radiating from his wound took on a form floating above his head, like his hand was projecting the image. It was a shape he'd never seen before, like a character from a forgotten and ancient language. The character transformed into an image of a man, a man Evan didn't recognize. Lillian is a prisoner, but all is not lost, the image said. Evan looked at Sophie, who couldn't take her eyes off the strange vision. Evan Gold, make your way to the Cassantian Dimension and join the fight. If you are unable to do this, pass this along to someone who can. The time is critical. And then, just as suddenly as the image had appeared, it vanished. Evan's wound returned to normal. What was that? Sophie asked. A message, Evan said. What does it mean? Evan looked at her with a worried look on his face. Just then, Catherine walked into the office. She pressed her hand to her shoulder, the same place where the stranger's shot hit her. She looked straight at Evan. What was that, Evan? I'm not sure I know. He looked at Catherine and then at Sophie. Sophie, make sure the front door says we're closed. She hustled to the front of the office and was back in seconds. Now sit down, both of you. You each know some things, and I don't know everything, but... Evan turned to the window and rubbed his thumb along his right palm. What's this all about? Catherine asked. Claire Porter and her schemes are over. I'm certain of that. No way the courts don't send her to Leavenworth for the rest of her life. But there's something else about the past few days. The reason all this evil came to Athens in the first place. It started the day Gabe was killed. I swung by a flea market. I didn't know it, 
but I picked up this pearl. It seems that Lillian isn't finished with me just yet. I may have mentioned this earlier in Shell Game, um, but as much as I've said on any number of occasions that I'm bad at naming things, there are other writing things, tropes, habits, I don't know, gimmicks, that I'm also not very good at. One of them is symbolism. I thought um, and purposefully did it. I don't know that I did a great job at it, um, but I wanted to use probably a very heavy-handed symbol of fog to represent confusion for um, uh, Evan. There was a video I had watched oh gosh, probably years ago now on costume design in movies. And one movie that was highlighted, I can't remember the name of it, but what had happened in the story was, well, the video was trying to highlight how costume designers, when they're really on their game, they also help tell the story through the clothes that are worn. And this one costume designer in this one movie always dressed this particular character, probably the hero of the story, but dressed them in blue the whole movie. And depending on how in or out of love they were was relative to the intensity of the blue that they wore. So it might be a light blue blouse in this scene and a completely like rich um, royal blue later uh, when they were in love kind of thing. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea that you could kind of dial up the emotion um, through nonverbal means. And so I was trying to sort of dial up the level of confusion that Evan seemed to be in by how much fog there was. And probably in reality, um, if I were really to do that right, it would have started with a wisp of fog at the beginning and get just thick as pea soup by the end. And then like in this chapter, it's clear blue skies and everything's fine. Um, or it goes clear blue skies, you know, at the moment he realizes that Claire's the bad guy and all that stuff. I don't know. Um, instead, I kind of dialed it up and down sort of and just kind of played with it. But it was to get to this moment where everything is over. Evan has made his resolutions that he's not going to be a detective anymore. And the sun is finally out. The fog is gone. The fog has probably been around. If I clocked this story, this whole thing probably lasted three or four days, all of Shell Game. And so this is a rather long and lingering fog that is not common to Kansas, just so you know. Uh, a normal fog would show up and certainly not in September uh, when this story is set. Um, a fog would start early in the morning and then it would have burned off by the time the sun came out and you know you have the rest of your day free and clear. This was very weird and sort of a f supernatural fantasy aspect to it. Like you just have this oppressive fog that's there. I don't know that I made that much of a character out of the fog, but it was really to get to this moment where he wakes up and is blinded by the sun that he really hasn't seen in days. And so this is, you know, it's that last chapter. So whatever bows still need to be tied on the story, 
we're just kind of running through that. And if you watch a lot of movies and read a lot of books, there's this moment near the end, whether it's the last chapter or the next to last chapter that I like to call the curtain call. If you go to a play, you finish the play and then all the actors come out for a bow and you say, you know, thank you for performing the thing. Right. Um, and in movies, a lot of times you get towards the end and then all of these characters that you haven't seen for a while start showing up until you end with the last uh, most important characters of the story show up at the end of the thing and they kiss or they high five each other, however the story goes. Um, and this is sort of what I'm doing here. So we've got to figure out, you know, Kath last time we saw Catherine, she was being carried out on a gurney. She's been shot by a gun from a different dimension is she going to survive is the marriage going to survive how does this all go and evan makes his declarations that he's done with detectiving and really wants to double down on the marriage and make that work come what may and now he has a wound that matches Catherine's wound and then we have to bring back sophie that we haven't seen for a while now because uh, this whole thing happened at uh, Evan's apartment and uh, we really haven't seen Claire really overnight, I think, or maybe it was a whole other day. But as far as like chapter by chapter, as far as this show goes, it's been a while since we have seen Sophie. So we need to see her again and uh, sort of in a work relationship kind of way, break up with her, but break up with her as well as we can. So last week I mentioned uh, the happy accident with the envelope of money that I patch hands to Evan that he then gave to uh, Claire to hold on to and he takes from her right as she's being um, put into police custody. And I was talking, you can go back to that one and talk about the happy accident part of all of that and how we got to that being a happy accident. But this was a good payoff for that. Uh, so he's able to, uh, all the debts that he owes people that really haven't been talked about much in this story, but were mentioned at the beginning of the story, this uh, money can help pay off all of those things so he can get out of his, um, all of his debts free and clear and set up because money goes far, $1,000 will go farther in 1962 than it will go now. <laughs> um, it was weird playing with the money um, in the story. Like 20 bucks, I think, back then would have been 10 amount to $100 now. So $1,000 would go a long way. Um, but it would also set up... Um, Sophie for success um, and that he tried to get her a better job. Uh, so he's doing what he can to set up his friend and his work uh, partner, not the same kind of partner that Gabe was, but they really have been um, um, partners in pulling this thing off. He's been her brain in, uh, well, sorry, she has been his moral compass, I guess, uh, throughout a lot of this. And so the payoff of the envelope uh, was very helpful in that. And the line in there about, you know, are we going to be strangers from each other? Well, maybe for a little bit, but Athens ain't that big. Uh, that is true. The town that Athens is built on is my hometown of Emporia, Kansas, and Emporia ain't that big. And particularly when this story would have been set, the license plates, I just remember this from growing up, the license plates uh, in Kansas at that time in the 70s and 80s, 
It was uh, a letter and then three numbers. That was all that you had. Uh, now the Kansas license plates, I think, are th- six characters. Some of them are letters and some of them are numbers. But at the time you got the letter corresponded to your last name. So my license plate would have had a C on it and then three numbers. And so after a while you start to learn everybody's car and the way that you uh, double checked yourself was by the license plate. Um, Is that is the person I think in that car, does that correspond with what I'm seeing on the license plate? Um, And you would run into uh, people that you know all the time in uh, restaurants, in uh, stores, just driving down the road. And I, I could imagine that Claire, or sorry, that Sophie and Evan would bump into each other from time to time just because they are in Athens. But if he's going to work on his marriage, he can't also keep doing the detective thing. And so if Sophie is going to be a success at being a, a help to this lawyer, they're probably going to be uh, strangers for a while. And uh, this is also true for all you men out there. <laughs> you really just can't have your best friend uh, not be your wife. Uh, if you're going to have a best friend who's another woman and you're married, you're in trouble. So um, it would also be dumb for Evan to keep uh, a relationship with a woman going that is not a necessary relationship because of work. So um, uh, that's uh, why that is in there. And, um, you know, it's it's I think an honorable thing for Evan that he is fighting for what's right, even when he doesn't have to. He fought for what was right in finding the the killer of Gabe, his his partner, but he's also fighting for his marriage. And maybe the marriage is not going well, and maybe the marriage um, on paper should end up in a divorce just because it's difficult. I think a lot of marriages end just because the two people find that relating to each other is difficult, and so we're going to get the divorce, even though that is not good reasons to get a divorce. There are other good reasons to get a divorce, and that is not one of them. So even in this moment, he is fighting for what is right. It is right that he made vows and commitments to Catherine, and um, he's going to fight through what is difficult because it is the right thing to do. The thing that he told Claire in the last chapter, or maybe it was chapter 43, that you do the right thing because it's the right thing. Uh, That is a core part of who Evan is, and he is fighting for his marriage, um, even though it's going to be rough. Um, They've gotten themselves into this place over time, and it will take more time to unwind all that and get things set up. Um, and this sets us up for, uh, the, the last book of this trilogy. Um, we have Evan and Catherine with matching wounds. We have this message that sort of emanates out of the wounds from the Cassantian dimension names that I don't feel that comfortable with because I came up with them out of nowhere. Um, but We've got this uh, last bit to do, and I'm on the fence. Uh, For a while now, I've been talking about how the third book has been difficult to write, and some of that has been scheduling. Just um, I do this in my off hours, the writing and the podcasting and all the things, and so finding the time has just been difficult uh, over the last year. Plus, I got probably, I want to say two-thirds of the way in, 
and just I, I didn't like the story anymore and uh, of, of book three. It got really kind of I'm forcing it to get done and it's just ugh, I don't like it. So and then I was re-listening to some of this and like, oh, I forgot about that part and this part. And I'm just trying to tell the story that was in my head initially without trying to figure out what um, would naturally come next in the story. I can't remember now, but I was listening to some book that was talking about how God created the world. And he said, it doesn't really matter if um, you think that God created the world in six 24-hour periods or if God created the world in, you know, billions of years. It doesn't matter as far as this goes. God has the ability to do either and God has the ability to just instantly make it. Just bam, it's all there. Um, but God did it over time, whether it was six days or billions of years, he did it over time, which says that what God loves is process or God enjoys process at, ver at the very least. And I've realized that in my writing, I don't like process. I like getting to the end. I like uh, just kind of uh, ramrodding my uh, ideas through, even if they're terrible, because uh, what I value more are deadlines than the process. But I don't know if that ends up with a better story or a better book. And so over the course of this year, I hope to enjoy the process or learn to enjoy the process a little bit more and uh, what that means is there is no third book <laughs> yet <laughs> uh, we're working on it um and i'm not quite sure because i haven't quite worked out all of my schedule uh yet for uh this year there's the potential there's still a whole series of books of my Casey Jackson in South Acre series uh, that I could put out on the podcast. They don't have audiobooks yet, and so that would be a good place to do that. But the other thing that I've realized is that by uh, putting uh, this podcast together and by um, you know keeping up with the newsletter and any of the social media, all of that stuff, just because of all the different pockets of time, it keeps me from doing the writing of the stories. So. All that to say, uh, at least for a m bit in here, we're going to put a pause on chapter by chapter. Uh, we've reached the end of Shell Game, and I'm going to work on uh, book three of uh, this series and get that one done. Uh, and then at some point we will be back and we will continue, uh, hopefully with the show. Um, but for now, we're going to put a pause on things. Um, so. I hope that you are enjoying this show. Um, if you keep subscribed to this uh, podcast, the next episode that comes out will arrive um, at some point, maybe months down the line, but it will arrive and we will continue with uh, the show. But that's where we are. I'm glad that you've been listening. I'm glad that you are a part of uh, chapter by chapter and um I hope you enjoyed Shell Game. I would still encourage you, let people know about the show. Uh, there's a good hundred plus episodes, which is just mind boggling to me, uh, that your friends can enjoy uh, that uh, get that land in the same place. And um, 
they're all the books still out there on Amazon. So let your friends know about all the things and I hope to hear from you. If you would like to stay in touch, I am keeping up with uh, the newsletter. Haven't sent one out in a little bit, but um, I think with uh, kind of taking some of the other extra stuff out of the schedule, I can get back to the, the um newsletter in the newsletter in just a few weeks uh we'll release the audible version of shell game where you can go to audible and pick up that so you can listen to the story in one straight run instead of listening to all of my audio commentary in between all the chapters um and uh other releases that may be out there hear progress about what's going on with book three um there's part of my brain that wants to like also release draft chapters uh as we go along so you can kind of keep up with what's going on there um but anyway to do that go to brianthomascrop.com sign up for uh the reader group and in exchange for email address i will send you uh, a whole bunch of things that uh, i have written Um, feel free to share those with friends as well. Uh, I hope you are having a great 2023 and I hope to talk to you soon. But until then, I hope you have a good one.